The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. On Wednesday, Adam Crafton broke the news on The Athletic that in early August, United's chief executive Richard Arnold had told the club's executive leadership group that United were planning to reintegrate Mason Greenwood into the first team. Greenwood had sexual assault charges against him dropped in February, charges that he denies. And as the story was published on The Athletic, Manchester United released a statement saying the investigation was done, but a final decision had not yet been made. To discuss this, I'm joined by the usual group of Laurie Whitwell, Carl Anker and Andy Mitton. Laurie, if I can start with you, can you give us a timeline, please, of exactly how this has played out for Manchester United and Mason Greenwood? Yeah, so it's been about 18 months, I think, since this all um, started with the social media posts that were uh, put online. uh, And in response to that, the police arrested Mason Greenwood and United suspended him. Uh, So that was January 2022. There's been a number of hearings since that point. Uh, The main one perhaps was in October last year when Greenwood was re-arrested over allegations he'd breached his bail conditions um, and he remained in custody after that point. Um, And that was when the Crown Prosecution Service charged him with the three charges, including the attempted rape and the control and coercive behaviour. The case was discontinued in February because the withdrawal of a key witness and new material that had come to light meant there was no longer a realistic prospect of conviction. Uh, And since that point, United have been conducting an internal investigation, um, the findings of which uh, have been completed and they've been handed to Richard Arnold, the chief executive. It'll be his decision on what will happen with Mason Greenwood. Joel Glazer is involved. He's across the detail of it, but ultimately he's delegated the responsibility to Richard Arnold based on the findings of the investigation by the executive panel. Okay, so that then brings us up to date before yesterday when Adam Crafton released the story on The Athletic. And here is Adam then explaining on The Athletic Football Podcast exactly how the piece was uncovered. And at the start of this month, there was an executive leadership team meeting uh, which was led by Richard Arnold in which he informed the staff present that the plan was to bring back Mason Greenwood. Um, As part of that plan, there was an intention for Arnold to record a video that would be sent internally to staff, also to the general public. Um, And it even went so far, I mean, the detail of this plan went so far as to say that for the first, pretty much the first season or so, Greenwood would, while he would be seen as okay to return to the first team, he wouldn't do any charity or foundation activities. As of the, uh, the first week of August, the plan was that Greenwood would return to the club. That didn't happen, the announcement that was scheduled for August the 4th. Now, the reasons for that, the club haven't made clear, other than we know that they wanted to pre-brief key stakeholders. So whether that is uh, what they describe as principal partners, which is sponsors, uh, the fan advisory board, and also uh, members of the Manchester United women's team. Now, several very prominent members of the Man United women's team, including the club captain, Katie Zellum are still with England doing fantastic things out in Australia and New Zealand with the Lionesses at the World Cup. And as a result, I think the accepted wisdom at this moment is it was delayed for that reason. That's all created a vacuum where this this leak came to us clearly in recent days. And as a result of it, um, you know, Manchester United are now under huge pressure. So we've heard what Adam has said there about the piece and exactly how this was set out, Andy. Um, What's your reaction to this story and and what's been the reaction of supporters that you've had a a contact with over the last 24 hours or so? 
Well, I stood outside the ground on Monday for three hours getting very real-life reactions, which are often very different to what, what you're seeing online. spoke to a lot of people since the story was broken uh, by, by Adam and by The Athletic. I think most people who I speak to would not welcome Mason Greenwood coming back to Manchester United. We did a poll on United We Stand. 75% of the people who replied to that said they, they wouldn't like Mason Greenwood to come back and play for Manchester United. I spoke to a, a sports psychologist who has worked with the biggest football clubs in England and he was of the opinion that he should come back and that rehabilitation should be something which should be afforded to them. I've had people who I know emailing me, um, people sending me messages, people who I half know, some pretty strong and emotive um, emails and messages, people talking about their own personal circumstances and how it relates to this. So it, 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 it as we all know, is, is extremely emotive. I spoke to people, I spoke to my wife, I spoke to my mum, I spoke to my daughters about it to find out what they would think and they all have slightly different opinions but I think most people wouldn't like to see Mason Greenwood play for, for Manchester United again from the people that I've been speaking to. On Monday, outside the Wolves game, some people just didn't even mention it. For other people, it's a major issue. OK, Carl, let's focus in then on the key matter from Adam's piece and that's that Manchester United, as of the start of August, are planning to bring Mason Greenwood back into the first team. What's your reaction to that? My initial reaction was uh, a raised voice uh, and then it was to donate to Women's Aid. Uh, I am saddened and disappointed by the decision or, or, or that news and I have a number of questions as to how they came to that decision. Um, it's very, very hard for me to, to speak and articulate my thoughts here as they're going 100 miles an hour it's really hard to divorce your love of a football team from a decision that goes strongly against what you believe in and I am of the personal opinion that Mason Greenwood should not be a football player for Manchester United I I think that everyone listening to this podcast supports Manchester United or is interested in Manchester United because at some point you believe Manchester United are the best and to be the best Mean, does not mean you are exempt from rules. It means that at some point in your life, there were some rules and you chose to follow them and you chose to make sacrifices and you chose to do something that most people can't do. And that's how you get to the point where you are good enough to represent Manchester United. I think playing for Manchester United is a privilege. I think representing Manchester United is a privilege as well. And I, I do not have enough information to say Mason Greenwood deserves the privilege of playing for Manchester United at this point in time. I would echo what Carl says. I think that there's obviously a difference between having uh, evidence and having a, a court case and, and being found guilty or not guilty. And obviously Mason Greenwood denies the charges. Um, that being said, I think it's a different gauge for being able to play for Manchester United and having the adulation of thousands at Old Trafford, millions at home. Um, and I think that that is a call that you can make as a club. You can decide who plays for you. You can you can get rid of a player for a number number of reasons. You know, if, if they're not very good, you can get rid of them. Um, so United, if they do follow through with this plan to bring him back, that's a judgment that they've made that Mason Greenwood is worth 
playing, you know, is, is worth having at the club despite all this um, unrest that, that has, has, has come to light. We're getting a lot of letters from season ticket holders that are very troubled by this development, that feel that if there's, you know, crowd reaction and Mason Greenwood is playing, how do they explain to their children why that's happening? It's clearly uh, a very messy situation. You know, there's people at United and the statement alluded to this uh, in terms of there being context around what everybody uh, has heard and seen. But without that context, I don't think that anybody who is against his return would change their mind one iota. And personally, you know, I still remember the audio and still remember the pictures and it would make me feel very, very uncomfortable for Mason Greenwood to be a Manchester United player. Laurie, obviously Adam as well reported that there's been a delay to this decision being communicated. The original date that he set out was the 4th of August and even that delay has created even more problems, it seems. Yeah, and I think it's really troubling actually and quite alarming that that the, the, the consequences of that delay because you've got then the women's team, you know, uh, England have got... Um, a World Cup final on Sunday. They've, they've done brilliantly over in Australia, New Zealand. Ella Toon scored a fantastic goal in the semi-final. Uh, you've got Katie Zellem, the club captain of United. You've got Mary Earps, the goalkeeper. You know they're they're three prominent players for Manchester United women and and the England team who have it has to be said faced um, abuse, faced been targeted online. You know the United Twitter account um, posted a. Uh, kind of in advance of the game, the semi-final uh, and the quarter-final, sorry, on the actual Saturday, that um, that they you know wish them luck. And the responses to that, this is an official United, you know, women's football account. We're, we're on the lines of we're watching you. You know, bring back Mason Greenwood. You know, and, and those messages we're told were seen by the players. So imagine that, like you, you're going into this huge game, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and that's the kind of stuff you're facing. And that's that's happened because United have delayed a decision, and then within that uh, vacuum, there was a, a story by Jamie Jackson, The Guardian, that said that United had delayed the decision so that they could uh, consult with the women's team. Now, that kind of implied a certain agency with the women's team that, you know, I don't think that's actually there necessarily, but it's an understandable uh, misunderstanding because, if, if that's such a thing, because of this kind of sort of catch-22 situation that United have got themselves in where they're saying there hasn't been a decision made but they do want to brief people, key stakeholders of the decision before it goes out so clearly you can infer from that that actually maybe the decision has been made as Adam's reported and and now so people are assuming that the women's team do have um, a say on this matter now how much, uh, you know, United do want feedback but how much feedback is enough to then inform their decision and, and govern it we're told that it won't you know we're told that it's it, you know the decision will be made based on the facts from the investigation which is you know speaking to people including Mason Greenwood including the including the complainant beyond the uh, police investigation as well they've had access to all that so this decision is supposed to be an empirical one but clearly when it's so emotional and people have and so public in terms of the the audio and, and the pictures People have their own opinions and those opinions, I think, are valid in this situation because you've got a guy there who is going to be asked you know, for support from, from these people. So that delay has caused an issue. And in terms of just the, why the delay happened, it, it is kind of funny to think that was it because the Women's World Cup was on and, and United didn't actually think ahead and, and think actually that could be an issue to try and you know 
pre-brief the women's footballers that are over there ahead of time. You'd, you'd have thought that would have been factored in, but but it seems that maybe that is actually one of the issues at play here. You know, the executive panel that that have uh, been uh, carrying out this investigation is you know Patrick Stewart, who's who's legal counsel, uh, Colette Roach, who is chief operating officer, um, Ellie Norman, who is chief um, communications officer, and also John Murta, who's football director. So there's there's a there's a group there that have. Have, have followed this all the way through, um, and and it is worth touching on Eric Ten Hag. You know, he uh, said to us uh, over on tour that he had given his opinion on the matter. Um, uh, I don't think he's ever explicitly said what his opinion is, but it's all it's our understanding that he would be supportive of Mason Greenwood's return, as would John Murtagh, who's known Mason Greenwood since he was a young boy at United's academy at the age of six. And and the idea behind it is, as Andy sort of touched on rehabilitation and you know not casting someone aside based on um sort of one um incident now obviously that would then you'd think it would need to to bring people along with that it would need a very public uh, explanation which as far as we've got so far it isn't the case we've had you know one statement um in in many months and it was it was yesterday's brought about by Adam Crafton's report okay at this point then let let's talk about the Manchester United statement we've not mentioned exactly what it said so far. I won't read it out in full. It's in Adam's piece and also on the Manchester United website if you want to go and have a look. But it makes clear in the statement that no decision has been made as yet. They say that the club's fact-finding phase of the investigation is now complete and that they're in the final stages of making a decision. They ask for patience while the final stages are carefully considered in this process. They say that a decision will be drawn on extensive evidence and context not known in the public domain. They've heard from numerous people with direct involvement or knowledge of the case and the welfare of the alleged victim has been central to Manchester United's inquiries. They also point out, as we've mentioned, that they have responsibilities to Mason Greenwood as an employee, a young person, they say, who has been at the club since the age of seven and as a new father with a partner. Now, Adam Crafton, off the back of that statement, which was released simultaneously with his report on The Athletic, outlined on The Athletic Football Podcast earlier today the exact timeline of the story and the statement. Sometimes as as journalists, we presume that everyone knows how all these things work, right? How something just appears on The Athletic website or whichever website that you, you choose to read at a given time. And I think sometimes just you know, within reason to pull up the blinds a little bit and explain that process. You know, we've, as far as I'm concerned, we did everything as we should yesterday. You know, we approached the club with uh, the facts as we understood them to be true. Uh, we gave the club um, ample time to res- to respond. We also allowed them an extension to their deadline because they said they were formulating the response for us. Um, and then all of a sudden, the club statement appears on the website simultaneously to it being sent to us. Therefore, it was entirely clear to me that the response that the club provided, I think it's very fair to conclude, was as a result of the reporting that we intended to do. And I think it's very important that Manchester United fans who would have just been looking at that thinking, what's that statement all about? Have that understanding. I don't think Adam's done anything wrong, on the contrary. I think it's it's good journalism and good reporting and he's done more of an explainer into what happened from his perspective and the way that the club reacted to it. The longer it goes on, I think the more difficult it becomes. I know it's taken a long time um, from the club to, to do what they feel they, they need to do, but 
I don't think it's getting any easier for anybody the longer that this is going on. Um, maybe a month or two ago, I started to be of the understanding that Mason Greenwood would have a future at Manchester United. The club talk about their many constituents. And I hear phrases like, the football side want him back, which broadly might be true. But you're talking of a company with a thousand full-time employees. There's a thousand different opinions there. And there are people with very strong opinions on, on the different sides of things. And that's before you get to the fan base, which is global. And as you can see online, very, very different reactions, some based on, on age, some based on, on geography. So it's not easy to manage. And Richard Arnold, who is paid very well, has got to make probably the most difficult decision of his professional career so far. I never get too far from how I felt when I heard the tape the first time, if I'm, if I'm honest, as a father of two young girls. Maybe there's more evidence to come out. Maybe that will be presented to the public and people can change their opinions or be better informed. But until that happens, fans and people who are commenting are only going to go off the information that they, that they have to hand. It, it makes my head hurt the more I think about it and a resolution, if a, if a resolution is possible to this. And I also see people speaking about the complainant as if she has no agency, reduces it to nothing, a, a bystander in her own story. It is extremely complicated, this. I don't have any magical answers here either. It's quite important, I guess, for more information to be released if people are to make their mind up in a well-rounded way if we've only seen, at this point, partial evidence, as Manchester United are suggesting, Carl, isn't it? It is extremely complicated now because it has been deferred and deferred and communication has been made particularly poor. And that this statement has come out only because Adam Crafton's investigation essentially forced a hand. And you can tell, you, this statement doesn't say enough, frankly, for what's happened in the several months that's passed. I have real questions over this idea that it's drawn on extensive evidence and context not in the public domain. When will that evidence ever be made public? Is there ever an intention to make that public? Well, obviously, we, there are legal implications here. If there is evidence that's not being put in the public domain for legal reasons, that should be explained within the statement from Manchester United, much in the same way as when The Athletic writes a piece and says, we have to maintain anonymity for reasons, we explain why. I would like that. I find it very difficult. And this is my own personal view. I find it very difficult when Manchester United talk about the responsibilities to Mason Greenwood as an employee. I would like to say Manchester United have responsibilities to several hundred million football fans around the world as well. And they need to bear that in mind. Every single match there you go to Old Trafford, you hear this is Manchester United, the world's greatest football club. Okay, so you understand that. You understand there's a responsibility to maintain those standards. I want more clarity from this football club and more clarity about what process has gone on. Because at the moment, all I'm hearing is just a fog of war and a mess. And the more this goes on as mess, the more people 
are going to talk and the more people get hurt. Laurie, as well, a, a point that we didn't talk about from Adam's piece earlier on in the podcast is the idea that Richard Arnold was going to record a video which was given to staff and also obviously submitted to fans and the general public explaining uh, a decision. Is that enough? Yeah, I would say it's the, well, it's the right thing to do. You know, it is his job. He's the chief executive. Now, I would also say that actually as the ultimate owner of the club, you know, the, the one that's involved day to day, Joel Glazer, he could equally um, say something. But obviously, you know, that isn't what he does um, in a public domain. So, um, yeah, it's Richard Arnold as the chief executive. And I think, yeah, doing a video to explain is, is probably, yeah, about right. Um, but that won't be enough to for people to then... If United bring him back and in their mind they've, they've looked at all the evidence and that's the right thing to do, um, that won't be enough for them to say, trust us on this, we know that this is the right thing to do and, and go and support Mason Greenwood because people, the people that are against it, and obviously there are a lot of people like that, very reasonable people, season ticket holders as we've said that have written into us to say that they wouldn't be able to support United. It's kind of like a there's a sliding scale, I suppose, in terms of reaction. You're against it, but what does that mean? Does that mean you stop going to matches? Some people have said that to us. Does that mean that you um, kind of just reduce your fanaticism? Uh, again, some people have said that to us. So what does that mean? But ultimately, they won't they won't abide by this decision unless there is a, you know a wealth of evidence, really. You know, a very detailed um, account of of what happened including Mason Greenwood. I think he would have to, you know, also speak on it. And and is that is that possible? I, I don't know. Um, that's a big question. I mean, the, the other question I do have, and I think it's a fair one to ask, is does his talent affect this decision? And if you're talking about the football department, as Andy's touched on, and I think we've reported already that the commercial department perhaps had reservations themselves, the sponsors that have certainly expressed their opinions to United at different stages. Um, does his talent, is that a factor in this decision? And, and, you know, I think that's a yes, really, because I just don't think United would go through all this trouble if it was a player that couldn't score 20 goals in the Premier League. Um, and with a with a team, with a squad that is currently... You know, having Marcus Rashford up top, where he, you know, ideally probably would like to play on the left wing. Rasmus Hoyland's been signed, but he's currently um, injured and he's working his way back to fitness. Anthony Martial, you know, hasn't completed 90 minutes in a long, long time. So, is that part of the decision-making process? If it is, I would, I would say that United have to just admit to that, um, and and maybe you know people would accept that that is. Uh, an appropriate way to handle the situation when sporting success is. Uh, what you're all about and, and clearly you know you'd think that that's what the football department are looking at and the football department will say that they've also you know as the statement alluded to this is um, a, a player who has been at the club for several several years um, that they feel a sort of duty of care to him um, but I, I agree with Carl in that also you have to respect and listen to the opinions of the people that ultimately put money in the bank account by, you know, watching the game on TV or, or going to the game themselves. And I do wonder, I mean, obviously we, we've had these letters, these letters have been sent to Richard Arnold and, and, and I would imagine several other people at Manchester United of, of people expressing their grave concerns about a, a return for, for Mason Greenwood. And does that now then change the mind? Does that, you know, affect what the decision ultimately is? Um, I mean, we've, we've been told that United are replying to these people by saying thank you for your um, input and you know we are taking our time we're, we're considering you know this kind of stuff is that 
yeah, genuine consideration um, or is it a kind of stock answer that they give to people? It will be fascinating to see. Obviously, we saw a protest before the first game of the season against Wolves uh, by a group of Manchester United supporters holding up a banner which said female fans demand no Greenwood return and violence against women. And within the piece that Daniel Taylor wrote uh, in preview to uh, that protest, there was a quote from a member of the group who said that this is a tipping point for Manchester United. Are they going to side with commercialism and trophies and money or are they going to take the side of match-going fans and the club being a social and community institution that we can be proud of and proud to have as part of our identity? Andy, the club has to listen to supporters. It's as simple as that, isn't it? I'm sure the club feels that it is listening to supporters, but it comes down to percentages. Those supporters have all got very different uh, opinions on this. Where we've actually polled people, we've got a hard figure for you. 75% do not want Mason Greenwood back at Manchester United. But that's just a small poll within a small group of of match-going Manchester United supporters. The commercial angle against the talent angle is definitely there. If this was a player who was in the reserve team, I suspect it would have been dealt with far quicker. I think that money tends to triumph in football. I think there's definitely commercial imperatives here. And Manchester United is an extremely commercial club as well. And... The clubs say that they're listening to the stakeholders. Yep, yep, yep. But who should have the loudest voice? Should that be Eric Ten Hag, the manager? Or should it be a fan who feels particularly strongly about this? And do Manchester United then act as the the judge and the jury to this? And it comes back to Richard Arnold. He's got to make the decision. Okay, final point on the podcast for the moment, Laurie. Um, Do we have an actual timeline now, an updated timeline as to when we can expect an announcement on Manchester United's final decision? Well, so I think that the uh, initial delay to this, they had a date in mind. Uh, I think it was the uh, end of August, really. I mean, I I did a piece where it was saying that it could stretch into September, um, but I, I wonder if actually it might try and be a bit sooner than that. The international break is there um, as a potential window. Um, but then again, the men's team will be off uh, playing internationals and, and their key stakeholders to you know as well in this. So the, do the United want to have everybody informed at the same time? Um, so yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I, I still wonder, I, I wonder how much United have, have fully appreciated the the strength of feeling out there and, and the, the, the breadth of it. We'll still see, won't we, in the coming days? We're obviously talking about a snapshot of of people that are getting in touch with us, but there's obviously a wider um, community out there. Also within the club, you know, it'd be interesting how much they're asking their own employees what they sort of think about this and if anyone's got any thoughts. I, I don't know what format that might take. And, and again, you might say, well, actually, this is a an employer-employee issue, HR. It, it doesn't involve everybody else. Um, but then I think when it's something that's so public and that, you know, um, it's a little bit different, I think. Um, so, yeah, uh, in answer to your question, Ian, I, I don't know, um, really. I, I wonder if, you know, the way that this now goes will just change the, the deadline or change the timeline of things. Um, but I, I do, I, I feel like they they want to have this 
clarified as soon as possible. Okay, we await the next move on this then. Um, There is a survey on The Athletic at the moment about Manchester United and Mason Greenwood, if you want to have your say. But for the moment, Andy, Carl, Laurie, thank you for being with us and thanks for listening. The Athletic.